This podcast is called The Other. You are now listening to episode two. A listener note, this podcast contains adult themes of sexuality, language, graphic descriptions of sex, and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Tierney. The ring of a FaceTime call reverberated through the din of silence. That summer, I used to keep my phone on me at all times, but had recently broken that habit. Sometimes forgetting where I'd put it for days, eventually finding it in Kalani's Elsa backpack. Now, suddenly, I couldn't stop staring at its cracked screen, waiting for his name to light it up. I waited three rings, just to not completely seem as lame and obsessed as I was already becoming. Hey, I answered nervously. Hey, you! It always seemed like he was screaming. Just because I'm in the mountains doesn't mean I'm deaf. He laughed. He had this crazy laugh. It seemed to come from his upper chest rather than from his belly. The sound was such that laughing might make him pass out. Sorry, he said. So, tell me about you and Tammy, I said, settling into my chair. I wrapped my sweatshirt over my knees and braced myself for a story. He talked for ages, weaving a tale of 20 years of agreements and contracts. In essence, he told me he and Tammy were essentially in an open marriage. What did that mean? I wanted to know. He told me that Tammy had multiple boyfriends, often long-term, often more than one or two at any given time. My mouth hung open. You mean Tammy has a boyfriend right now? I screeched. Two, actually, he laughed. One in San Diego, one lives in New York. I could honestly hardly form a sentence, not only because I didn't find Tammy personally attractive. He told me he was a one woman at a time man. You mean besides Tammy, I clarified. Besides Tammy, he agreed. He told me in-depth stories about the seven women before, each of them occurring after he and Tammy had agreed to an open marriage. I remained open-mouthed as the dusk turned to silk and dark and the stars flickered on, one by one, until there were seven, then 700. One was a woman from the gym who only let her fuck let him fuck her rapidly from behind until he came but never touch her. One was a woman whose husband liked to watch Jason fuck his wife on their yacht on the lake. I could imagine the boat swaying as he held her raven hair back and the husband watched, as open-mouthed as I was. The last one had been a dancer at the gigantic local university where he'd once been a football star over two decades ago. She was the one he elaborated on most. They'd met at a Christmas party he and Tammy had attended years ago. She was then his niece's first grade teacher and an old family friend. They had spent the night shoulder to shoulder on the couch, and they'd had sex within hours of meeting. After a few months of fucking, she'd begged him to leave Tammy, and he'd broken up with her. And, he said, had not had another lover since. Any chance you'd want company in the morning? He texted. 
I'd said no to multiple invitations already. The second day we were texting, he'd invited me to his date to a lunch benefit at the Rotary Club. I'd been completely floored and not hesitated a beat in saying, hell no. What would Tammy think, I'd asked, genuinely confused. LOL, exclamation point, he said. He ju- she'd just be glad I had someone to go with me. I honestly wasn't sure if I wanted him to come here. I was nervous. I was confused, intimidated. His sheer presence took up more space than this little house would hold. And besides, I thought I'd throw up when I'd seen him at the center that day. And of course, he'd acted entirely normal, casual even. My stomach was in my throat. My voice shook. I felt my lips and my chin quiver as I held my phone screen facing away from me. 7 a.m. too early, I asked, knowing if it was any later, I'd chicken out and cancel. I was really good at that canceling plans social anxiety was my constant blanket and this way I could just wake up make coffee and see him seven is perfect he replied Jason my phone flashed I wasn't used to the incessant texts I have to figure out a way to silence the notifications I wasn't annoyed per se because Tierney was so fucking hot but she was also 28 and her fingers worked too damn fast. Still, I was learning her, studying her habits, her desires, her interests. I knew she was a writer and clearly texting was her thing. So I'd become the master. I'd study her language. I'd imitate it, be even better at it than she was. I'd become her ideal man. I was always prepared, very rarely intimidated infrequently surprised but immediate signs of interest from the haphazard bait I'd thrown out and to Tierney Hoover at that I popped an Adderall took a deep swig of black coffee and smiled I told Tammy I had an early meeting as I always did when I was doing something she disapproved of we had an open marriage sure but it was one-sided to be specific Tammy had an open marriage Tammy fucked other men, even other women, when it struck her fancy. I genuinely didn't care. In fact, I liked it. But she cared. She most definitely cared. I told all the women that Tammy and I had an open marriage and left it at that. Honestly, it was only fair I got to have my fun. I showered, scrubbed hard till my skin smelled clean. I made sure to jerk my cock before I left. I thought about Tierney's ass and those leggings as I stroked and came immediately all over the shower wall. Because as badly as I wanted to fuck her, I couldn't mess it up. I had to play it cool. Getting hard drinking coffee with her at the crack of dawn probably wouldn't look good. It would make me look old and desperate, my two least favorite descriptors. I left the house when it was still dark, hopped into my truck. I put the address Tierney had sent into my GPS. The air was still somewhat cool at 6 a.m. in early July. I honestly wasn't sure what Tierney wanted. She never showed more than a passing interest in me at best. Her dad was a friend and had volunteered at the center since the day we started it. I sincerely hoped she wasn't insane or testing my loyalty in some crazy woman way. 
I hated the way my brain worked sometimes, testing all the paranoid theories. But hypervigilance saved me more than once. I considered all the angles now, all the potentialities. Of course I had to ask her if I could come up there. What an opportunity. Alone, no other human presence for miles and miles. That ass, those lips. Maybe she'd let me stroke her clit. I drove up the slowly lightning mountain roads with a singular focus. Flickering dawn broke as I cleared the treetops. My heart rarely sped above 40 beats per minute, but it had been since I left the house. I began to wonder if I should kiss her right when I walked in. I hadn't touched another woman besides Tammy or without Tammy there in nearly a year. The screen door was open. I didn't knock. She wasn't the kind of woman who wanted a reticent man. I knew better than to guess at such things. I knew exactly what she liked in men. I'd watched them come and go from a distance for years. I'd spoken to her father about them, always carefully inserted in conversation. Armed with all the information I needed, I walked right in and called, hello. The house smelled like her, like ripe sex and some kind of musky, delicious smoke. Candles burned on every surface. It was so girly. From the doorway, I could see straight through the wall of windows to where she sat on the porch, facing the expanse of valley and hills ahead. She called back, out here, but did not rise. I walked out to the porch, unconcerned at the reverberant slamming of the screen door behind me. Hey, I said, leaning down to half hug her. She was bundled in a fluffy white blanket that reminded me of the clouds at the beach. Her face was tan and kind of angelic. Kissing her didn't seem right in that moment. This girl was going to have to be slow played. She was different, complex, sophisticated. Clearly, she didn't just want to fuck. What she wanted, I still didn't know. I would have to pay close attention. Study her motivations. Still, I was here, alone, with her. Where there wasn't another soul within shouting distance. She stood, finally, exposing an expanse of toned leg. Her figure was breathtaking, edible, really. Can I get you some coffee? She asked. I'd love some, I replied, following her bouncing ass under tight white shorts into the kitchen. I could easily imagine one cheek in each of my hands. She picked up a Mr. Coffee and slung some into a mug. Cream? She asked, lifting the carton. Black is perfect, I said. We stood hip to hip. She seemed to suddenly notice the closeness, the absence of anything or anyone between us, and immediately poured herself a fresh cup and walked straight back to the porch. I followed, eyes glued on her ass. She gestured to the other rocking chair beside hers, as though I needed an invitation. Women could blow my mind sometimes as though I weren't man enough to sit the fuck down before I'm told, please. Please sit, she said, wrapping herself back in the blanket. It wasn't cold, so I assumed it was insulation from me. Her literal safety blanket. I smiled, inside, as though a blanket could do a damn thing when I decided to take what I wanted. Remembering how her voice shook with nerves when she first came back to the center, how her lips quake and hands quivered. We talked. 
Really, she talked, I listened. Gathering clues, information to store, use later. She claimed to like living at home, but I could tell she missed the adventure of her former life. She liked the glamour. She missed the status, though she'd never admit it. She missed having a prestigious title and tiny, beautiful clothes. She missed the celebrity of it all. Gourmet coffee with Beyonce while wrapping her in silks. I asked well-timed questions. No one would have a damn clue. I was barely paying attention to the chronology of her monologue. But now, for her, it was shitty lighter fluid coffee even I pretended to like. In a quaking cabin on top of the mountain. With me. Wrapped in her grandmother's blanket. In the middle of fucking nowhere. I pretended I believed she was satisfied because clearly she was attempting to believe it herself. I stuck with the inserted questions, remarks that made me seem interested, riveted. Finally, I stood unhesitatingly, pretended to suddenly want to see the expansive view. I made some banal comments about the beauty, but I was really waiting for what would come next. When I turned, she was still sitting pretending to be immersed in her coffee. Bullshit, I thought. I walked to her, stood beside her chair, put my hand on her shoulder, lifted her chin to me, and then I leaned down and kissed her. Hard, deep. She didn't recoil, so I pushed harder, pulled her body up. For me, she was light as a feather, bird-boned. I explored her mouth, and her wrappings fell to the slatted wood floor. I pushed her against the post. Despite my earlier attempts, my cock was rock hard. She moaned needily into my neck. I had her. I pushed into her, my hips against hers. I felt her mind go blank, her body take over. She was finally pliable, her frame tiny as a doll's. I desperately wanted to milk myself onto her ass. So I led her into the house. Of course, I was dying to throw her bodily onto the four-poster bed I glimpsed in the back bedroom, but that would come soon enough. I had more self-control and long-term goals than that. Instead, I pushed her juicy ass against the dining room table, pushed my thigh between her legs and pressed down hard. She moaned into my mouth, gripping my tongue between sharp teeth. She bit my upper lip and my cock rose even higher in my pants. I felt thick milk rise to its tip, coat my boxers. I didn't care. I lifted her ass through her shorts, though she seemed averse to me sliding my hands under her tiny clothes. I could feel her curves regardless. Her shorts were so thin, I could feel her pussy coating the material. I knew I was on the path. Tierney. I squirted a dropper full of CBD oil into my mouth. My hand shook. I was four years sober, had finally blessedly built a healthy, sustainable, simple life for myself. I thought I'd left these frightening, uncontrollable patterns behind. I didn't know what I wanted, and I only had a few minutes to decide. Jason appeared so perfect, besides the fact that he was married, told me things I'd always wanted to hear from a man. The open marriage, though, how could that ever benefit me? I shook my head. I had rarely demonstrated fantastic 
taste in men, granted. I'd generally gone for the men who were emotionally unavailable to me in some way or another. But I'd never, ever been with a married man. I never even imagined it. And until a few days ago, the concept of an open marriage was unheard of in my world. Still, I sprayed my favorite perfume on both my wrists and into my hair. Every surface of the cabin had been carefully lit with candles. I left the sage burning atop the rock-hewn fireplace as though attempting to safeguard against any confusion Jason might bring into my space. I was still shaking as I went out onto the porch and wrapped myself in the snow blanket that had been in the house since I could remember. It made me feel safe. I slid both hands through my cracked mug and pretended to look at my computer. My mind was eerily blank, like it had been when he was there that summer. My ears perked up when I heard the thud of a diesel engine, my heart pounding heavy against my ribs. It grew louder and rockier, and soon I heard the sharp slam of a door. He would be here within 30 seconds. My hands shook so hard a slosh of coffee and cream slid onto the blanket. I tried really hard to take a deep breath, but my lungs rebelled. What am I doing, I thought. But then the thud of a screen door and a loud, enthusiastic hello, and my brain stopped wondering. I froze. My hands wrapped around the mug, squeezing it so hard I thought it might shatter. The second screen door slammed and I could feel him right behind me. I inclined my head, half smiled, fearing my lips would shake. I felt like a child. He made some exclamatory comments about the view, nothing I hadn't heard before. I responded blithely, but was incredibly aware of his presence. I felt drunk, woozy. We drank coffee and talked. My lips quivered. He asked good purging questions, got right to the meat of things. And still I felt strangely exposed, wrapped my blanket closer, like he could see right through me. The sensation was new to me. It wasn't altogether bad, nor was it altogether good. I asked him questions too. So many questions my tongue tied. I asked him about his life, how he got to where he is, 45, running the center, married. Scratch that, openly married. He told me tales so riveting I forgot where I was, who I was. I felt like a lucky novice journalist somehow interviewing a Nobel Prize winner. When he was young, he said, he was lucky to have had parents who noticed his eccentricities. They noticed his relative lack of empathy and taught him incredible discipline, control, emulation. His teachers, too, allowed him to run around outside while the other children completed assignments. Then, in high school, the young of his the love of his young life had a terrible experience. Her father died, and Jason essentially moved in with her and her mother to protect the house. It sounded heroic, romantic, heady with passion, and all the promise of a picket fence life together. Then after graduating, though, he was singled out, recruited into a special squadron of the Air Force, where his team was smuggled into South America to root out Pablo Escobar. The drug lord, was I familiar with him? 
<laughs> of course I was. I nodded. Things were crazy down there, he told me. A night where he treaded water in the pitch-dark Pacific Ocean under a starless sky for 28 hours, after which his platoon was severed with high honors. The Air Force then set him up with a spot on the football team at his dream college. He played D1 football, but he still missed his girlfriend, who'd already gone on to UVA for med school. He met Tammy when he was 20. They were married by 21. We were so young, he said. He then started his own lucrative landscaping business, made millions before he was 30. He told it exactly this way, in short sentences that invited no further queries. He told me that during this time, he was also one of the founders of the Calgary Fellowship. He preached regularly. Calgary was now one of the biggest churches in the area with eight sprawling campuses and a pastor who was an actual hologram. But a few years after that, he and Tammy caused a bit of an uproar. She cut her hair short and her, got her boobs redone and they started going out on the weekends. They became less concerned about appearances. They did become more aware of the needs outside their direct church community while working at a sub summer camp for underprivileged teens one summer, he'd said. He decided everything he'd done up to that point had been self-serving, and it was time to try and make a difference in the world. He took all the money he'd made and saved so diligently while landscaping, and he founded the center. It had started as a tiny, homegrown, entirely organic operation. There was, he said, absolutely no outside support. Just his money and him teaching and Tammy preparing meals for the children to eat. As he spoke, I did melt inside. It was like he knew exactly what I dreamt of in a man and had somehow magically appeared before my eyes. He acknowledged his ample shortcomings. He spoke about changing the world. He used his considerable charm and power to benefit others. He ran the center because it was the right thing to do, he said. And after all that, all of a sudden, he was beside me. The air turned electric. And then without any warning, his lips were on mine. I had no time to think. I could not react. I felt all his weight, all the passion behind the kiss. I had no choice but to allow my lips to part. His tongue found mine, and despite the sheer force of a human that he was, his lips were soft, pillowy, and kind of delicious, yet still forceful, commanding. I had never been kissed that way, ever. Whatever concerns and trepidations I'd had fell away as though they'd never even existed. I melted into nothing. It was what I'd heard people refer to before as an out-of-body experience. I complied fully and entirely. He pulled me up and the blanket fell from my lap. He pressed into me hard. I could feel him through his thick khaki work pants and my mind went numb as my body came alive. He pulled me inside the house. I was unaware of anything but my unforeseen desire to explore this entirely foreign, somehow familiar body. All my senses were alive, confused, at odds, hungry. He was entirely in control. 
He pushed my ass against the ivory slatted dining table, his hands toying with the waistband of my shorts. I pulled them away, but felt my thin lace panties filling with juices all the same. There was something delicious in the waiting and the desire. My only thoughts were of pleasure. I felt him rising even harder against my bare thigh and desperately wanted to free his bulging cock. But I'd heard enough about him. I knew better than to give anything away too quickly. Seemed he was so used to getting what he wanted. The only way I could win was to maintain a semi-untouchable status. I grinded my hips against his thighs, his lap, turned my ass to face him and draped an arm around his neck, pressing his mouth to the thin skin of my neck. I could feel his cock pulsing against my cheeks through his pants, and it turned me on so much I almost came. It had been so long since I'd felt desire at all, but a desire like this... Not since my off-and-on ex of almost six years, whom I'd left in London, and truly probably wasn't even fully over. I knew from that moment forward, I was completely and totally his. Mm -hmm.